Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, August 6th, 2018. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, nearly every major tech platform banned Alex Jones to one degree or another. Facebook wants to know your bank balance. MoviePass has another subscription pivot. Apple has plans for India. And why $1,000 smartphones might only be just the beginning. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. As of today, nearly every major tech content platform has banned Alex Jones and or InfoWars from their platforms to one degree or another. This began late last week when Spotify started taking down selected episodes of the Alex Jones show from its podcasting platform. Then, this morning, Apple completely removed the Alex Jones show from its podcast directory. Apple also removed five podcasts produced by Jones's InfoWars organization. Only one InfoWars podcast remains on iTunes at the time of this recording, Real News with David Knight. Hot on the heels of all this, at 3 a.m. local time, which is an unusual time for Facebook to release news, Facebook said that it had also banned four pages run by Alex Jones for, quote, repeated violations of community standards, end quote. The four pages in question were the Alex Jones channel page, the Alex Jones page, the InfoWars page, and the InfoWars nightly news page. Facebook had previously imposed a 30-day ban on Jones personally, quote, for his role in posting violating content to these pages, end quote. Then, not wanting to be the odd man out despite getting the ball rolling, Spotify announced that it too had taken down all episodes of the Alex Jones Show podcast. Three other InfoWars podcasts are still live on the platform at the time of this recording. And finally, as I'm recording this, it's looking like Google has taken down the Alex Jones channel on YouTube. Here's what the various companies had to say. Facebook, quote, More content from the same pages has been reported to us. Upon review, we have taken it down for glorifying violence, which violates our graphic violence policy, and using dehumanizing language to describe people who are transgender, Muslims, and immigrants, which violates our hate speech policies, end quote. Apple, to BuzzFeed News, quote, Apple does not tolerate hate speech, and we have clear guidelines that creators and developers must follow to ensure we provide a safe environment for all our users. Podcasts that violate these guidelines are removed from our directory, making them no longer searchable or available for download or streaming. We believe in representing a wide range of views so long as people are respectful to those with differing opinions, end quote. I laid out the timeline of who did what because I find it interesting. Let me read you some of the reactions on Twitter to give you a sense of why I think so. Derek Pawazek tweeted, Note that Apple is the first to actively give him a good, proper boot. Also note, unlike all the other players, Apple is not an ad-supported company, end quote. Dare Obasanjo said, When your primary business isn't driving user engagement at any cost so you can show them ads, it gives a certain moral clarity. 
Kevin Roos said, quote, Facebook follows Apple in banning Infowars, giving up the game after weeks of sanctimonious lectures about free speech. This was always about being too scared to go first. And Jason Kent said, quote, All business for Facebook, no spine. Well, this should be fine. People should be absolutely fine with this. No one should be nervous. According to the Wall Street Journal, Facebook is looking to add new financial service products to its main platform. And in order to do so, it has asked large U.S. banks to share customer financial info with the company, including bank balances and credit card transactions. According to the journal, Facebook wants to be a platform for buying and selling goods and services, as we saw with the expansion of their marketplace product a few months ago. But now, quote, Facebook has talked about a feature that would show its users their checking account balances, the people said. It also pitched fraud alerts, some of the people said. Facebook has told banks that the additional customer information could be used to offer services that might entice users to spend more time on Messenger, a person familiar with the discussions said, end quote. Facebook has reportedly told the banks it would not use bank data for ad targeting purposes or share it with third parties. But, quote, one large U.S. bank pulled away from talks due to privacy concerns, some of the people said, end quote. That's a lot of anonymous people saying a lot of things to the Wall Street Journal. So, yeah, I don't know why Facebook thinks that I would need or want to check my bank balance inside of Facebook when I can just go to my bank's website to do this. I guess this is another story where some reactions and snark are needed. M.G. Siegler tweeted, quote, Facebook's law. If you happen to find yourself embroiled in a data privacy fiasco, immediately do everything under the sun to make your users feel even more uneasy, end quote. Bank of America, if you're listening, I officially give you permission not to share any of my data with Facebook. Sincerely, Brian McCullough. I didn't get to cover this last week, but about a week ago, MoviePass announced that it was raising the price of its movie theater subscription plans to $14.95 a month, up from $9.95 a month. People were pissed over the weekend, so this morning, MoviePass has backtracked. The price will now stay at $9.95 a month, but you will also now be limited to seeing a maximum of three movies a month, down from the original insane deal of one movie a day. Quote, Because only 15% of MoviePass members see four or more movies a month, we expect that the new subscription model will have no impact whatsoever on over 85% of our subscribers, MoviePass said in a press release. The news here seems to have had a positive impact on the share price of MoviePass's parent company, Helios & Matheson, which was trading up 28% this morning at $0.09 cents a share. So, continuing our ongoing updates on the MoviePass situation. Monday, August 6, 2018, at around 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, MoviePass is still alive. 
We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot, literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get Get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again, and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. Taiwan Semiconductor is recovering from a debilitating computer virus which forced it to shut down some chip fabs on Friday. As of this morning, the company is reporting that 80% of the impacted tools have recovered and it expects to be at full production later on today. Taiwan Semiconductor makes chips for a bunch of companies, but crucially, it is the sole supplier of Apple's A-series chips, which power the iPhone and other iOS devices. TSMC blamed the virus infection on software which was installed somewhere in its facilities, which then spread to the fab tools themselves when infected devices were connected. This is apparently the first time a virus has brought down manufacturing production at a TSMC plant. But as David Shore pointed out on Twitter, fab tools are usually strictly quarantined from devices connected to the outside world for just this very reason, to avoid viruses. Quoting from Reuters, Mark Lee, an analyst at Stanford C. Bernstein, said in a report on Sunday, technology giant Apple was one of the impacted customers, but a swift recovery in the fourth quarter should keep the impact minimal, end quote. Quoting from Bloomberg, which is also quoting from Mark Lee, all of TSMC's 12-inch wafer fabrication plants had been infected and that many customers had been affected though the impact would be very limited because the company can make up for the losses during the busiest holiday quarter. 
TSMC makes Apple chips in its 12-inch fabrication plants. At the time of this recording, I have seen no reporting to indicate that the situation at Taiwan Semiconductor will lead to delays in iPhone production. Last week, we talked about Apple and how it was struggling in India and how one of the reasons Apple is struggling in India, the fastest growing smartphone market in the world, is because of the iPhone's high price point. This is a market where sales of feature phones are still growing, as I said. Well, Bloomberg has another look at the situation and what Apple plans to do to grow its market share from a little under 2% where it sits right now. The prescription, according to Bloomberg, apps and services aimed specifically at Indian users, opening retail stores in the country, and, quote, Instead of officially lowering its prices, Apple is in talks with retailers and banks to offer holiday deals all year round, according to people familiar with the plans. Those people say Apple is also asking some individual stores to more than quadruple sales targets to 40 or 50 iPhones a week and plans to cut off retailers that consistently fail to hit the mark. Retail sales staff will be trained to teach customers how to use their devices and Apple intends to overhaul in-store branding and product displays. Executives would conduct daily conference calls with stores to gauge progress, end quote. According to the Bloomberg piece, Apple hopes to open three stores in New Delhi, Bengaluru, and Mumbai sometime next year. And the reason that Apple has not opened retail stores in India in the past is that the government has long required foreign companies that want to open shops in India to manufacture 30% of their products locally. However, in January, the Indian government said it would fudge a bit on that requirement if a company sources more of its global operations from India broadly. Apple now manufactures some low-end iPhones in India. Probably not a coincidence. Speaking of smartphone prices, CNET has an interesting piece up that suggests if you thought that paying $1,000 for an iPhone was crazy, you might not have seen anything yet. Flagship phone prices have been rising across the board, not just iPhones, but Android phones as well. The cost of a Galaxy phone for U.S. buyers has gone up by more than 15%, for example. OnePlus phones have increased in price by nearly 33%. Now, some of the cost increases come from higher component costs, of course. Quote, key factors include the cost of components, competitor pricing, carrier incentives, tariffs, etc. Ken Hong, LG's senior director of global communications, said in an email to CNET, fact is, these input costs are rising, so we're forced to follow suit, end quote. Quoting from later on in the piece, adding more sophisticated cameras like the iPhone X's 3D depth sensing front-facing camera or more lenses like the Huawei P20 Pro's three rear shooters costs more to do. And so do materials like glass or ceramic for a phone's backing or sturdy aerospace-grade aluminum for the frame. You can bet that the first phone to debut a diamond glass screen or the new smudge-resistant vibrant satin corning gorilla glass won't be cheap. It's also expensive for companies like Samsung to build a whole new manufacturing process for elements like curved glass and flexible OLED displays, end quote. So it costs more to add bells and whistles that are significant enough to make consumers feel like a new flagship smartphone is new enough to justify a purchase. Fair enough. 
Short of some major new breakthrough, smartphones have basically reached a technology plateau. Your next phone is basically going to be the same as your last phone, so companies have to invest to make it feel like a step up, even if it's just window dressing. But also, it turns out, according to Bloomberg, we're to blame for this. In short, as ultra-premium phones have come out, lots of naysayers warned that consumers would inevitably buck at the price tag. But so far, not so much. Remember, Tim Cook said that the iPhone X was the best-selling iPhone model. So it seems like if we're all willing to pay more, the companies are more than happy to take our money. Quote, Consumers are prepared to pay a premium for a mobile phone because it is arguably the most important product in their lives, Ben Wood, the chief research analyst at CCS Insight, told CNET. Quote, when Apple announced the iPhone X for 1000 bucks, they did the whole industry a favor. That gave all the other manufacturers some breathing space, and I can imagine there was a certain delight in the corners of Samsung and Huawei and others. So I think this might be the first time I've had to do this on the pod, but after recording and about halfway through editing, I saw a new wrinkle to the story about Facebook asking your bank account for your personal info bubble up on TechMeme. So let me add this as an addendum to that earlier piece. Thankfully, I was able to get it in before posting. This story comes from Josh Constein at TechCrunch, and he's quoting from Facebook spokesperson Elizabeth Diana, who Constein is quoting as saying... A recent Wall Street Journal story implies incorrectly that we at Facebook are actively asking financial services companies for financial transaction data. This is not true. Like many online companies with commerce businesses, we partner with banks and credit card companies to offer services like customer chat or account management. Account linking enables people to receive real-time updates in Facebook Messenger where people can keep track of their transaction data like account balances, receipts, and shipping updates. The idea is that messaging with a bank can be better than waiting on hold over the phone, and it's completely opt-in. We're not using this information beyond enabling these types of experiences, not for advertising or anything else. A critical part of these partnerships is keeping people's information safe and secure, end quote. And I'll end by quoting from Constein's write-up. Diana says banks and credit card companies have also approached it about potential partnerships, not the other way around, as the Wall Street Journal reports. She says any features that come from these talks would be opt-in rather than happening behind users' backs. The spokesperson stressed these integrations would only be built if they could be privacy-safe. For example... Signing up to use the Citibank Messenger chatbot requires two-factor authentication through your phone. And that's all for today. Quick plug for my other podcast, the Internet History Podcast. Are you familiar with the legendary disaster that was Dig version 4? It's sort of gone down in Silicon Valley lore as a site redesign that was so bad it basically killed the company. Lots of people think that Reddit is Reddit today because basically the Dig community fled over there en masse after the debacle of Dig version 4. But what's the real story? I tracked down an engineer who was deeply involved in the redesign and, well, he argues that Dig did the right thing given the circumstances they were in at the time. If you've never listened before, search for the Internet History Podcast and download the latest episode, The Epic Fail of Dig Version 4 with Will Larson. Talk to you all tomorrow. <laughs>